Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good morning. Good morning, Building Christian Fellowship. Good morning. My name is Pastor Rachel, and I'm so glad that, hallelujah, that uh, I have the, the blessing of being in the building this morning and being able to see each and every one of you. Let them use you. Hallelujah. Uh, whether you are in the building or you are online, we're so glad that you are here. Um, before I get started, I want to just give honor to God. I'm so glad that he is in my life. Um, uh, I also want to give honor to my pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. I love you both. Thank you so much for just pouring into my family. Um, and I want to give honor to my family. My mom and my sister are here. Thank you guys so much for being a safe place for me always. Um, and I also want to honor my husband, Pastor Charles. Won't you stand up for a quick second, Pastor Charles, with his fine chocolate self. Come on, let him use ya. <laughs> oh, I thank God so much for my husband. He is such a blessing to me, and I just thank you for watching me in the word, for encouraging me to um, trust God and step out on him. You are the best covering I could ever ask for, so I love you. Thank you so much. Well, 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 well. Okay, so um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. Won't he do it? <laughs> However, I do also think you guys should know that I'm not the only bae that Pastor Charles has. Um, media team, go ahead and put her picture up there. Just let, her, let, her, let, let them know what's going on. It's coming. It's coming. Y'all will find out who this is. Oh, it's okay. All right. Now, <laughs> you can argue with me about how you pronounce that. Some of you guys say, say by water. We don't say that in our family. It's bay water. It's bay. And the thing about it is if you know Pastor Charles, see, look at, he has one today. He has uh, an obsession, I say, with bay water. And you know, when you're married for a while, um, you see each other go through these ebbs and flows of likes and dislikes. I'm not really sure when bay entered our life but I feel like it was like circa 2020, I don't know. But um, this man has a, a little issue with Baywater. And the thing about it is, um, it, it, it kind of snuck up on me. And, you know, it just was always there. So here's the thing, hypothetically speaking, just from what you know about Pastor Charles and I, if you were walking down the hallways of the church and you saw a random bottle of Baywater sitting there, who would you think it belongs to, Pastor Charles or myself? Y'all didn't even think about that. Y'all didn't, didn't think about that. Okay. Now, I have told people that I like Baywater. I have, you know, I actually do. I think the watermelon is pretty good. Um, and because I'm, I'm the real Bay, so I'm with him all the time. I'm near the Baywater all the time. You see me. However, none of y'all said, Pastor Rachel, I think it was you. Why? Because no matter what I say with my mouth... There is not enough evidence in my life that would make you think that I like this water, 
right? But in Pastor Charles' life, you've been out to dinner with us, and they say, you know, you have coffee, tea, you have this to drink. This man reaches in his jacket, and he pulls out a stash of Bay Water. Okay, so, you know, I, I remember even one Sunday huddle, he came in with a Sprite in his hand and almost caused a riot. We were like, where's Bay? You know, what are you doing drinking Sprite? You know, it's one of those things where you have so much evidence that it's kind of like coming to America when you think of garbage, think of Hakeem. It's like when you think of Baywater, <laughs> you think of Charles. You know, those two are so, so closely connected. But I want to ask you, what is closely connected with you? When we think about you, what do we think about? Now, we're called believers, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful if when people thought about us, they thought about faith? Wouldn't that be good? Like, since we call ourselves believers. So, you know, the thing about it is there has to be some evidence, though. We can't just say we're believers. You ain't never seen me walking around with no Baywater. Like, okay, Rachel, today, what did, what did you bring, Sister Jackie? Some tea, because, you, you know, you know. I do not ever show you any evidence that though I say that with my mouth, you've never seen it. We have to begin to be associated so closely with things that God cares about. You know why? Because he said, without faith, what is it? Impossible to please me. Clearly, he cares about this. So we have to align our hearts with heaven. If God cares about it, I care about it. Amen? Amen. The anchor point for today is believers have been given the privilege of faith. And therefore, we have the responsibility to develop it. I'm going to say that again. Believers have been given the privilege of faith, and therefore we have the responsibility to develop it. If we are going to build our faith, though, we're going to need a blueprint, right? Because we said earlier, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he cares about this. So we're not going to just do anything. We're not going to just do this any kind of way. We want to build the kind of faith that he's asking for. Amen? Amen? So we need a blueprint. We need an example. All of that can be found in God's word. In Luke 6, Jesus officially selected his 12 disciples. And then from those 12, he poured even more deeply into a select three. Peter was a part of that inner circle with Jesus. Does anybody have a good inner circle? You got some inner circle friends. Those kind of people. Yes, I know, girl. Those kind of people that see you in the high and they see you in the low, low. That's the kind of connection and the relationship that Jesus and Peter had. Peter was the first disciple to express faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. But Peter also denied Jesus. He struggled. He was like us. His life was marked by moments of great strength and moments of great failure. Ups and downs characterized his life of faith. He knew the bitter pain of living with the reality that he had denied Jesus. But then he also knew what it was like to be restored and then be filled with boldness and preach to 3,000 people and see them come into saving faith. Like he had been through the full gamut. So when it comes to having a credible source from someone who is relatable in their struggle with faith, Apostle Peter is a powerful treasure house for us. So let's glean from what he says. Honestly, whatever he has to say to the church, I want to hear it and follow it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let me catch you up to where we are going to be entering the text. First, Peter was written to encourage the church. They were preparing to be going through the persecution. 
um, Nero had come into power and he was persecuting Christians. And then when persecution got like crushingly intense, about three years later, Apostle Peter, he takes to his pen again and he begins to write in the final hours of his life because, you know, Jesus had let him know that you're going to be uh, getting martyred soon. He was preparing to, for that. He uh, took to his pen again, and that's where Second Peter comes from. And so let's get ready to dive into that. We're going to be in Second Peter, and we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. Let's go ahead and dive in. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Like, just that in and of itself. There was no response, no reaction. Like, did y'all really hear that? Everything... We need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of this, Make every effort, somebody say every effort, to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those called by God and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. I'm sorry, but that was like a moment to clap or, or just say thank you, Jesus. Like, so at the beginning of this year, Pastor John, he um, released the vision that's over this house for this year. And he said more in 2024. And I'm here to declare that one of the things that will be more in 2024 in the building will be more matured faith. More matured faith. The title of my message today is Add More to Your Faith. Add More to Your Faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to sit under the words of life. I'm asking God that right now that I would decrease, that you would increase, God. I ask that every word that's heard will be straight from you, straight from your throne, that no one would hear my words, but they would hear you, Father, that you would meet them, that you would wash us in the word, that you would remind us of truth. And I ask that this truth would remain, God. Do a mighty work today, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my first point is we have all the needed material. We have all the needed material. So when I look at verses um, three through the beginning of verse five, it says it's by his divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. 
And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises that enable you to share the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Now, the first thing I feel when I read a passage like this is so much encouragement, right? Like, don't you love this about God? When we become aware of our deficiencies, he meets us with his sufficiency. He's the kind of God that looks ahead and makes provision. Like, I need provision. Does anybody need provision? Like, when you finally do become aware of, like, how broken you are, that you have a God that doesn't say, my God, you are tore up. Like, I don't know what we're going to do with you. Like, he doesn't do that. He's like, don't even worry about it. You know, it's so funny because um, he's like, aware that we're his broke best friend like like his broke little best friend like we are happy to be with him he's happy to be with us but we ain't really got nothing you know so he's just like don't even worry about it I got you I looked ahead I made provision so he says you know what I'm calling you to live a godly life but I know you can't do it like I know you can't do it on your own right so there's certain things that he has done for us and you know here's everything you need And then I'm going to call you close and give you great and precious promises that will allow you to share in this divine nature. Like, he's so beautiful to be able to do that for us. And it allows us to walk in what he's called us to do. So look at what God's done. I just don't want us to get familiar with that and rush past it. Like, it's okay to have a Selah moment just to see, like, what he's done on the front end for us. Everything we need. How many times does the enemy lie to us and make us feel like we don't have what we need to do this? It's a lie. We have everything that we need. So in that same way, keep what God has done and what he's given to you in view while you look ahead at what we're going to build next, okay? So it's almost like, um, you know, when you're driving in a car, and so often, of course, there's a car in front of us, right? But sometimes we need to, for whatever reason, we need to look ahead a little bit. But you know what? When we look up like that or we look around that car, that car is still there. Like, we keep it in view. So as we begin to talk about what we're going to build, like, don't lose sight of what God has given us, okay? This is, like, so important. The moment we lose sight of that, we're frustrated. Now we're trying to do this on our own. So let's go ahead and begin to look at this. Point number two is what are we building? So we know we're building, but what are we building? In verses 5 and 6, this is what it says. In view of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. And so now we see a shift happening, right? The first couple of verses, it was like, this is what I'm doing for you. I'm doing all the work, basically. And then this shift happens. And it's so funny because me and my sisters, um, we have this little uh, chat. And they just send the funniest memes in there. And uh, I wake up to them because I'm I'm always going to sleep at like 7 p.m. So I don't even see them. And then I wake up to all these hilarious memes, right? One of them was like this lizard. I don't know if you guys saw it, but like this lizard with a voiceover. And it was like a church mother. And she was getting a word of knowledge. <laughs> and she was telling on this poor baby. She was like, and then last night you was with so-and-so and you was doing this. And every time God would give her something, she would say, uh-oh. And, and this happened, uh-oh. And I feel 
like in this moment, it's like when we see the, the shift, we're like, oh, it's like, oh, now, now it's on us, right? So it's, it's, it's on us. So Peter says, make every effort. Give, uh, if you think about this, this is, this is how I see it um, with the supplements. So I was uh, really excited about this new vitamins that I had uh, found. I had a box of them. I put it right by my cereal in the morning. And so it was on this shelf that's easy to reach. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but me and Charles have a little bit of a height difference. <clears throat> Just a tad. And so because of that problem in our household, his idea of what is a normal shelf to put something on <laughs> is completely different than what I can reach. I was doing so good with my vitamins because it was easy for me to get every day. I'm like, Monday, I'm getting my cereal and my supplements. Tuesday, cereal and my supplements. Wednesday, cereal and my supplements. Thursday, I open the cabinet and it's way up here. And I was just like, the reach that it's going to take for me to get this is a lot of work. And I just began to, I, the stretch, even if I stretched as high as I could, I honestly don't think I would be able to reach it, right? So I'm like, I'm not putting in the work to reach that. But you guys, those supplements were still mine. Those supplements were still, still for me. Those supplements would have enhanced my health. They would have blessed my whole life. Just because it was difficult for me to reach now and I had to put in some work, that doesn't mean that I now forfeit what those were supposed to be. Sometimes God allows us to have to stretch and have to work for things, but it's still yours. These things that we're listing out, they're for you. But sometimes we have to do a little bit of work and see, this is what I didn't realize. If I would have just got a stool. Okay, you know what the stool is for us spiritually? his great and precious promises that's what gives us that extra lift to be able to reach what he's called us to do when we forget the stool we forget to have in view what he's given us now we're in our own strength and we're like i don't think i can reach that i don't think i can do that step on the stool and reach what god says is yours amen 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 so we have seven virtues that uh that peter gave us but today, let's just talk about three. Because anybody have a problem with overwhelming themselves, trying to do too many things? Like, let's not do that today. Let's just start with three. So the first thing that he, he lists, and let me just uh, say this, too, about uh, the different virtues. Don't see them as these separate things that are unrelated. <clears throat> do you realize that as you get one, you get more excellence that helps you with the next one of knowledge? Like, if you have moral excellence in the Lord... Isn't it going to help you to build knowledge with him and then help you with self-control? Like, so see him as uh, undergirding the next one, okay? So moral excellence, what is it? The definition for moral excellence is all about living a life that is a reflection of God's character. And it has a couple of different facets to it. So the first facet when it comes to moral excellence, this is the kind of moral excellence that we read about in Philippians 4 and 8, where it says... Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is uh, noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise or something excellent, think about such things. Okay, so that's one facet of the moral excellence. The next facet is about spiritual energy. Okay, so it's like, you know, when you are, um, you're a runner and you, you get to that point to where you're, you're winded. 
But then something kicks in. Like, if there's any distance runners in the building, like, something kicks in. Okay, I see you, Brother Eddie. Yes. <laughs> Speak it into existence. More in 2024. I believe it. So there's something that will kick in, and you will get this second win. And then what you're doing, you're not doing it haphazardly. Now, I have to tell a little bit on my, my son. Okay, when he goes to do the dishes, he acts like only one hand works. I don't know... Like, is this a teenage condition? Like, it's one hand and it's like, like just barely, you know. Okay, so in our faith, we're not barely doing this. We're doing this with energy. I'm talking about all in. Everything I have, I'm applying it to this. So that's what we're talking about. When we're saying moral excellence, we're bringing our energy to this spiritually, okay? The last facet is referring to the purpose Fulfilling the complete purpose of what something was designed to do. So like right now, this podium is being excellent. It's holding my laptop, it's holding my water, it's holding my book. It's doing exactly what it was supposed to do. When you are doing exactly what God has called you to be, you are excellent. You're being exactly what God designed you to be. And you know what? We think we know who we are, but we have to go back to the manufacturer. Like, we have to go back to the creator to ask, who am I? And in his word, he's telling us, it's not too high for you. This is who he said you are, right? So when we become that, we're being excellent. So, you know, when the Apostle Peter is telling us to add moral excellence, virtue to our faith, um, we're adding character and we're fulfilling all that he has designed us to be, adding things to our faith with this uh, spiritual energy, an effort. We're doing all of this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're called to be a real life reflection of God in the earth. That's who we are, you guys. We're not called to be mediocre Christians. I don't even know, like, does that exist? Like, what is that? Like, like what is that? Either we're doing this or not. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I heard that God hates is lukewarm people. I heard that he'd rather you be hot or cold, right? Like, just if you're going to do it, do it, right? So one of the things that we're going to do today, because we're not going to procrastinate, Pastor John, we're going to take self-inventory today, on today, okay? So let me ask you about your moral excellence. When you go to Walmart, and on the screen it says, how many bags did you use? Okay. Uh, are... <laughs> Don't lie your church, y'all. Don't lie. When they ask you how many bags you use, and you use in five, are you pressing one? Search your souls. Tell the truth. Okay. When you go to work and they are asking you about your time card, are you rounding to the point that the math is no longer mathing? Like, you are just, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, do you have an appetite for pure things? When, when people encounter you, do you resemble your heavenly father at all? Or are they shocked when you say you're a believer? Like, oh, didn't see that coming at all. You know? I mean, somebody say add to your faith. Okay, the second thing that Peter says we need to add to our faith is knowledge. So in this context, it has to do with having the ability to practically apply the word to real life situations that you are going through. It's like this discernment, this wisdom, this understanding. So it's taking this excellence, this uh, moral energy that you just gained, right, by the first thing you add it. And then the way you apply the knowledge that you uh, know about God is through the study of his word. That's the only way you're going to get that. Only way that you're going to get that. 
you know, and then you start to find out like what to do, where to go, what to say in your marriage, in your friendships, with your children. We go to the word of God for that. That's how we begin to have knowledge. And, you know, it's so important to know somebody. I don't care how many of y'all tell me that my mom was at a nightclub last night. I don't care if every person in here tells me that. I know my mama. She was not there. I know that I know she was not there. She's probably praying, you know. And so that's the same way we should be about the Lord. Like when the accuser comes to us and tries to tell us how to process a situation where we should doubt him, or maybe he's not going to come through for us. Like maybe he doesn't love us. We should know that we know that we know that God is good. There's some things that we would have to know, but you know what? If you're searching the word, you will get settled in some things. It's so important to know the word of God. Because don't you get tired of hand-me-downs sometimes, like secondhand? Like, I always got to go to the thrift store. I can't never buy something that's just for me. I always got to go to the devotional where someone else wrestled in the word. And now they got to tell me what it says. Like, sometimes we got to get sick of that. Like, I'm going to go to the word that was written to me, go by myself, and find out what God is saying. Then you have knowledge. And can't nobody talk you out of it. Nobody can talk you out of it. So let's do some more inventory because I love questions. I love questions. Can you use the knowledge of God's word to strengthen a brother or sister? You got enough knowledge when they come to you broken and, and forgetting who they are where you can strengthen them in the faith. Do you know enough to be able to do that? Are you getting all of your understanding of God's word from what somebody else said? Do you know how to walk in wisdom in your own life according to God's word? Somebody say, add more to your faith. The last thing that Peter says uh, that we're going to talk about today is self-control. And this is another moment like, uh (laughs) uh-oh, we're back to the uh uh-oh lady. (laughs) All right. So, you know, when it comes to self-control, it's restraint exercised over one's own impulses emotions or desires this is what proverbs 16 and 32 says it's better to be patient and uh better to be patient than powerful it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city everything you succeed at or you build um do you realize if you don't have self-control that you are so vulnerable to destroy everything i don't care how hard you work for it if you have no self-control it is so vulnerable to be destroyed Paul said it like this like a boxer I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached the gospel to others I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service and like that means a lot to me like stepping into to pastoring like I am not trying to be up here telling y'all something and then I get disqualified for acting a fool. Like, you realize that if God is doing something, I think Paul Morton sings this song, I don't want him to do it without me because I'm acting a fool and I've disqualified myself. And we're all called to preach the gospel. Like, how easy are we a target when we don't develop self-control? It's almost like you're a beacon for the enemy. And see, this is a thing, like, I'm dependent on you. You're depending on me. When you decided to become a believer, you declared war. You realize that, right? Like, we're not in a, like, uh, you know, I kind of dislike you. The enemy hates you. He's trying to destroy you. 
He's looking for who is weak among you. And when we have no self-control, we are the weakest link. He's looking at us like, oh, yeah, I can get you to act a fool. I can get you to divide and, and cause so much offense and, and not forgive this person and talk about this person behind their back. You can wreak havoc in the body of Christ when you have no self-control. This is so important. So, you know, sometimes we talk about what things are. Let's talk about, you know, what it's not. So what is not self-control? Drunkenness? Overspending? Lord. Overeating? Yeah, that hurt. I know. That hurt me too. Lust? Giving into doing whatever it is that we want to do. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like cleaning up. I don't feel like it. See, I remember being a teenager and, um, you know, my mom was discipling me in waiting until marriage before I had, you know, sex. And so she, uh, I don't know what I said to her, but I said something that must have sounded like overconfident about how I could handle being in some compromising, compromising uh, situation I shouldn't have been in, right? And she looked at me and she said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's these little decisions you think that are just totally fine that lead you somewhere. And let me tell you something, Rachel. You don't get done with sin. Sin gets done with you. I was so humbled. I said, well, <laughs> well, let me sit on down. Let me sit on down. Isn't that the truth, though? You don't get done with sin. Sin gets done with you. You keep making these little concessions. Oh, it's okay to watch this show. It's okay to talk to this person. It's okay to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And you wake up, how did my life get here? destroyed marriage done a hot mess on drugs y'all these things don't start off big they start off with little concessions here and there what is it a little leaven leavens a whole lump that's how it works he's crafty the enemy is crafty he's not playing with us though we don't get done with sin sin gets done with us we need self-control somebody say add more to your faith all right, so, you know, when we say that we're going to add to our faith, sometimes it's like we need to talk about the actual building process because that's a place where, you know, we, we get tripped up a lot. I know I can tend to be like all or nothing, like black and white, and we can be so extreme, you know, like, all right, this is what Peter said I need to add to my faith. I'm about to read seven chapters in the Bible every day at 5 a.m., and we're just so extra with it. Y'all, we are not. <laughs> yeah, you would think we would learn from the crash diets we go on. Like, we'd be so motivated Monday to Wednesday, and then it's like <laughs> that birthday comes, that celebration, and we're completely done. Let's not do that today. We're not going to do that. We're going to have some wisdom, okay? So... It's not a, a willpower thing. I think uh, sometimes when we're doing that big extreme, you know, we're about to, to read 10 chapters a day, we're not realizing it, but we've lost the view of what God has done for us. And now it's like, you know what, I'm about to will myself to be who he said he would be. You know, I've done that in my life many, many, many times. And can I just be transparent with you guys? Um, this is my journal. And I just want to read you guys a excerpt from one day when I was so frustrated because that's what I was doing. I didn't realize it, but I was, I had lost sight of like what God had done. So here I am. I'm like, father, I'm tired of myself. I really want to have the kind of change in my life that doesn't revert back to my old ways. I want to be like you, but sometimes it is so 
frustrating to have to start over and over and over again. Anybody feel me on that? Like, what am I missing? I'm wasting precious time that could be spent with you. And it's crazy because I recognize when I'm doing this, but it can feel so hard to pull away from the distractions that feel like an escape from the stressors of this life. I'm not sure what needs to click so that this cycle is interrupted, but could you please show me? I'm wearing myself out with my efforts to fix this. This is what we get when we lose view of the precious promises, when we don't stand on the stool, we just trying to reach it. It happens so easily, but we gotta depend on the foundation of God, the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do this. Now, since I was saying, don't be extreme, don't, you know, don't try to do so much. I feel like when you're starting at ground zero, you have to like take baby steps. It's okay to take baby steps in things. I um, read a fantastic book. It's called Atomic Habits. Anybody read that? Atomic Habits is such a powerful book and it's really helping me to change the way I approach how to actually uh, adjust some of these behaviors that are like cycles and patterns in, in me. One of the principles that's in this book is get 1% better every day. Okay, 1% better every day. There's actually a diagram because I I love to have a visual of things. There's a diagram that shows this principle. And um, in that diagram, you're able to see that a person that consistently does a 1% improvement, look at the exponential growth that you get over time. It's so powerful. But then also realize like you can do this too. You can do 1%, those little choices and and it'll it'll mess your life up too like you can go that route but if you decide like i'm going to to make a one percent yes a one percent consistent change this is what uh, like a little hard and fast rule if you're starting from ground zero like you don't read the bible at all okay you don't you don't read it (sighs) two minutes i'm gonna spend two minutes in silence and stillness or i'm gonna two minutes just sitting in the word and i'm gonna read that but I'm gonna do it every day. I'm gonna show up. I'm sorry, nobody's that busy. You got two minutes. You start from ground zero. And if it's more than two minutes, you're doing too much. Don't start off trying to do so much. It's okay. This is the thing that's so beautiful about what Peter told us. He said, just be increasing. You know, so we ain't gotta stress ourselves out comparing yourself. Well, Sister Danielle over there, she be praying all day. So like, I feel like I'm a failure. He didn't tell you to do what Sister Danielle's doing. He said, just be increasing. 1% is actually enough. Do it every day. Two minutes. So you're doing too much. It's okay to start small. God honors that. Amen. Another thing that helped me, there's another, uh, another diagram on here. And this one, it, uh, it shows the process. It's so, such a help um, because on this side is the results. On this side is the time. And a lot of times, of course, we think the change that's going to happen in our life is just that straight line, right? It's just straight like that. Now, really, we're down here. Like, we're, we're under the growth line. And that stresses us out, right? Because it's like, I'm sitting here doing... As much as I can, I'm showing up, but I'm still under the line. Really, there's a lot of failures happening here. We're going up and down, up and down, but we don't realize we're trending up. We're trending up. 
And what happens is eventually we keep showing up and we keep trending up. We meet this line right here. This is the line of what God is telling us we can do, who we are. He's like, daughter, you are who I said you are. Son, you are who I say you are. But we stop before the breakthrough because this part right here is the valley of disappointment. We get so discouraged because we don't realize you are making progress. So the temptation is to get stuck in the valley of disappointment and stop before the breakthrough. You guys don't stop before the breakthrough. Look at the person next to you. Say, don't stop before the breakthrough. We're building something here. We're building something here. Hallelujah. You know, um, focusing on the the small and the uh, consistent, it's something that it's, it's kind of hard for our flesh, but it will help us accomplish so much more than when we always make everything so far away, so difficult to reach. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, so one of the things I just want to encourage us in is to think about what we're building here and how important it is. You know, there's this dad, uh, there's a story about this dad, and he, you know, told his son, I'm giving you everything you need to build this house. You can make it however you want, hook it up, make it super nice. I'm going to be going on a really, really long vacation. And so he leaves. And the son is like, okay, you know, he starts building a house. He makes it look really good on the outside. But he's cutting all kind of corners because really he wants to hang out. He wants to play. He wants to, you know, see his friends and all of that. And he's cutting all kind of corners on the inside of this house. When his father returns, he hands them the title. It's like, here's your house. Congratulations. What kind of house are we building? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when a storm comes, that house is about to hit the ground. And it's not going to just be a danger to him. Who's hanging out and being around him is in danger because his house is so shaky. He cuts so many corners. You realize when you don't build your faith right, you're a danger to those around you? Do you realize that when you don't do what the word is saying? Okay, let me tell you like this. He's telling you to build your faith because a storm is coming. He's telling you to build your faith because you have an enemy who hates you that's trying to destroy you. And when he gets there, it's too late to get ready. Then you better have added to your faith. You better have given yourself another self-control and the knowledge of who God is and some moral excellence. Or you're going to be destroyed and you'll be sifted. You know, it's a trip when you think about how Satan came up to Jesus and was like, I want to sift Peter like wheat. You know, he goes around like trying to just see, who am I going to sift? I mean, just sift you. But thank God that Jesus has prayed for us. He has prayed for us that our faith won't fail. You know how you help your faith not fail? Add to your faith. He told you what to put in it or you're not going to have what it takes to stand. You know, there's sometimes in the Bible where it's like we have to like try to figure out what to do. Um, this is really clear. <laughs> I'm just saying. He did us a solid right here. Like, this is what you need to add. Let's take advantage of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, listen, there's no neutral place to hang out as a believer. I know you might think there is, but there's not a neutral place. Okay? So, either you're going to add to your faith, or this is what uh, the word says. It says, um, <laughs> it says that you are either going to be spiritually short-sighted or blind, forgetting that you've been cleansed from your old sins. So let me, let me help you like kind of see what the options are, okay? You either 
Do some work and add to your faith or you can be blind. I mean, it's like, are you going to choose that? You see those minds that say, choose your heart? It's going to be hard. You're going to work anyway. But like, you want to be blind and, and live that hard life? You will be spiritually blind. You know the vulnerability you have when you can't see what's coming spiritually? And you're constantly getting blindsided, constantly running into walls, hurting yourself, hurting other people. Like, add to your faith what God is telling you you need to do. And don't wait until the battle. Do it now. You know, what is it in the next 24 hours that you can do to add to your faith? It doesn't have to be this huge step, like I said. But can we commit to do 1% consistently? Can we do that? In my closing, if we could just kind of stand for a moment here. I want to encourage us to not waste time when it comes to adding to our faith, because this is crucial. Literally, if you don't add to your faith, I'm impacted by that. I see that. Your decisions are impacting other people. If you decide to say, you know what, I'm about to commit to actually being diligent in the building of my faith. Do you know that stirs me up when I see you walking in that? I heard, I, I heard a, a, a preacher say something so powerful. I never thought about this story in this way. But what he said is, man, what would have happened if when Jesus called Peter out on the water and he started walking on the water, if instead of just sitting there as the other disciples, like what if they were like, I'm about to come out there too. And they all started walking on the water, like doing the things that they thought were impossible. Like, do you think the winds and the waves might have distracted him? Maybe they would have been stirring one another's faith up so much by seeing what one another were doing that they would be able to do something that they've never done. Do you realize the impact that you can have on another person's faith when we stir our brother up? Because honestly, that's what Jesus said. He said, you know what, Peter? He wants to sift you as wheat, but I pray for you that your faith won't fail. And when you get restored, encourage your brother. Strengthen your brother. That's what we're called to do is to strengthen one another and our most holy faith. Add to your faith. This impacts one another. What would it be like all of us walking on the water? Being who God said we were to be. Being excellent because we're being everything he dreamed we could accomplish here in the earth. That we're reflecting him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can do this, you guys. He's given you everything you need for a life of godliness. If you are in the building and you're like, you know what? I can't add to my faith because I don't even have that foundational level. I don't have that very first step of having believed in Jesus. I'm so glad you're here. His arms are open wide. He wants to receive you. You can come to him. And he will fill you. He will speak to you. And this is the thing. I'm not going to tell you that the life in Christ is easy because it is not. Salvation is free. You are welcome to come on in. But you are declaring war. I'm going to let you know. We're all soldiers up in here. We fight in a battle. We're waging war. But you know what? Your family of God will come around you. We'll help you learn how to fight. We'll help you learn how to pick up your sword. How to put your armor on. We'll help you with all that. But you've got to count the cost. Because we're going to give up some stuff. We're going to give up this foolishness, this works of the flesh. We're not going to live there. We have a, a job to do here. We have a father to reflect. 
We're going to be fervent about that. We're going to have some spiritual energy in that. Amen? Amen. So if you want to step into this life with Jesus, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. If you are a believer, where are my believers at in the, in the building? <clears throat> come on, believers. If you are a believer and you know that you know that you know you have been neglecting the adding to your faith, I want us to make a commitment today by coming to this altar that we're going to take that consistent small step, however the Holy Spirit is pricking on our heart today, and we are going to take the time, we're going to make the effort, we're going to stand on the stool of the Spirit, and we're going to stretch, and we're going to work, and we're going to begin to bring into our lives what it is God said is ours. Come to the altar Stand before your father and get about the father's business. We need your faith to be maturing. We need your faith to be increasing. We need you to have spiritual sight to be able to see what's coming before it gets here. Is there anyone in the building that wants to add to your faith? That wants to have the kind of faith that's strong, that can withstand a storm? The kind of faith that can stand in the face of the enemy and push back against his suggestion and his lies? Hallelujah. We need to have faith that grows, faith that is sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is so good to us. He's good to us. He's given us what we need to do this life, you guys. But I will tell you that our lives are very much like a jar. And if you think about it, the things that Peter told us to add to our lives are like the big rocks. We're going to have to put those in first. And the little rocks, all this other stuff we're doing, let's see how many, how much you can fit around that. But once we out of room, they can't be in there. But we're not going to reverse it, putting in the little rocks and see how many of the big rocks can get in there. Do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? This is the priority. This is why we're a believer. When we think of believers, we should think of faith and not the kind of faith that's stagnant and floundering, the kind of faith that is alive and growing and maturing and reflecting the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen.